following is a sermon that was preached at Good News Lutheran Church in Mount Horb, Wisconsin. It was preached on Sunday, June 30th, 2022, on the basis of Luke 4, verses 16 through 30. For more information or to view our entire sermon library, visit goodnewslc.org. Thank you for listening. When everyone in your life treats you a certain way, it's easy to assume that that is how you are supposed to be treated. So for example, politicians and political parties, they don't just put out there the ideas and the plans that they think are best for the country, no matter what those ideas and plans might be. No, instead they rely heavily on polls and approval ratings. And they sort of craft their message so that they can have the most success in the ballot box. Or for example, a a retail company. They don't just put out there the goods or the services that their own experts think that people should want to spend their money on. Instead, they do market research and they conduct focus groups and they offer the goods and services that will allow them to maximize their profit. Finally, news outlets don't just cover the stories that they consider to be the most important and they don't do so in the most straightforward and dispassionate and objective possible way. No, instead they are looking looking for readers and listeners and subscribers and clicks. And so they will put out the stories and craft the headlines in a way that will capture your interest. And after a while, when everyone in your life sort of treats you that same way, it's easy to expect that that's how you're supposed to be treated. That if someone else wants something from you, if they want your time, if they want your attention, even if they want your money, that they ought to first listen to you. That they ought to say the things that you want to hear, or at the very least, they ought not to intentionally say something that they know is going to make you upset. It's easy to expect those things. It's easy to expect that really everyone in life ought to treat us that way until Jesus comes to town. Today we're continuing our Epiphany worship series, Epiphany Orientation. It's a series in which we've seen over and over again how often Jesus takes the way that we normally look at the world and he just completely flips it upside down. And really the the next two weeks of this series sort of go together. This week, followed by next week, Jesus is going to turn upside down the way that we naturally view things like popularity and rejection and how those things correspond with either success or failure. And so Luke tells us about this incident where Jesus comes to town. And not just any town, this is his own hometown. And before Jesus even shows up, he's already starting to get very, very popular. And when Jesus arrives, things start out with him getting even more popular. But then Jesus does something that no politician, no retail company, no no news outlet would ever do. Jesus says something to his listeners that he knows is going to make them upset. And as we'll see today, Jesus really proved by doing so that he is willing to do the very same thing for us. When Jesus comes to preach the gospel, as we're going to see in these verses, when Jesus comes to preach the gospel, don't expect him to quit while he's ahead. 
So the very first thing we probably need to know about this particular incident recorded for us in Luke is that it's not just a particular incident. Luke actually brings it out of chronological order up to the very front of Jesus' ministry. In fact, this is the very first thing that Luke tells us Jesus did in his public ministry among the people. Luke wants us to know that this incident is sort of emblematic of Jesus' ministry, not just in terms of what Jesus was going to do, but in terms of how the people were going to respond. Even though there is a, a substantial crowd of people involved, Luke keeps using the word all over and over and over again. So what the people do and how the people respond, it's not just one of them or some of them or most of them, it is all of them. And so Luke had first told us that Jesus was going throughout the region of Galilee, sort of up in the northern part of Israel. He was preaching, he was doing good among the people, and Luke tells us that everyone, all the people, were praising him. So then Jesus shows up in Nazareth at his hometown. He goes to the synagogue on the Sabbath day. We would say he went to church. And Jesus has the opportunity to sort of be the guest preacher for the day. So he goes up to the front. He finds the place in the book of the prophet Isaiah where there is a promise about the coming Messiah. A promise that the Messiah, anointed by the Spirit, would go out and he would proclaim good news to the poor. He would proclaim freedom for the captives. He would proclaim sight for those who were blind and liberty for those who were oppressed. And then after reading from the scroll of the prophet Isaiah, Jesus sits down to speak. That, that kind of sounds nice. These days they make a stand up here for 15 minutes, right? Jesus sat down to preach and he started out by saying, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. In other words, this Messiah that these verses are talking about, this Messiah is me, Jesus is saying. Which means that all of the blessings that got promised through the Messiah in those verses, Jesus is saying, those are your blessings today. They're not things that you can maybe get in little bits and pieces. They are not things that you can say, maybe at some point in the future I'll feel like I finally have them. No, Jesus is saying, all of these blessings are yours. Right here, right now, all of these blessings are yours in full because all of these blessings are yours in me, Jesus said. Now, listen to how the people respond. Luke tells us, all spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips. Isn't this Joseph's son, they asked. So the people were amazed that this Jesus, whom they knew, whom they saw grow up in their own town, was in fact the promised Messiah. They were absolutely amazed at the wonderful words that he was speaking. They loved it. They were eating it up. At first, everyone loved the gospel Jesus came to proclaim. And that shouldn't come as a surprise. Again, the gospel writer Luke wants us to know that this is sort of emblematic of Jesus' ministry. In fact, it's sort of emblematic of, of what happens here each time we gather. Through his word, Jesus still comes to town and preaches to us and teaches us, and he still preaches the exact same good news. There are maybe even Sundays where, where you sort of more acutely are aware of your need for that good news, where you maybe feel a little bit down and out, forgotten, left behind while the rest 
of the world and the rest of the people in your life seem to be just whizzing by. And you need to hear the good news that God lifts up the lowly. Maybe there are days where you feel especially imprisoned and held captive. You are stuck in a particular sin that you just can't break or maybe you're burdened by guilt or overwhelmed by grief and you are so excited to hear Jesus proclaim freedom for the captives. Maybe you're going through a time in your life where, where spiritually you feel sort of confused and uncertain. Maybe there are even some specific lies of the devil that you've got caught up in believing and you don't know left from right. You don't know up from down. You don't know which is the right way God wants you to go. And so you are so excited to hear that Jesus brings sight to those who are blind. And if that's the case, where you sort of are in tune with your need, then what Jesus says here is the best news that we can possibly hear. That all of those things that we need, all of those things that sometimes we're even longing for, we can find fully in him. They are not things we need to scratch and claw for. They are not things that maybe we can walk out the door with a little bit more than we walked in the door with. No, they are things that once again we can find in full and we can find for free because we find all of those blessings in Jesus. It's no surprise at all that Luke tells us that at first everyone loves the gospel. We maybe even know what that's like. Very often we do too. But what is surprising is that Jesus has more to say. I don't know if any of you are, are Seinfeld fans in the room. I was a big Seinfeld fan when I was a, a little bit younger. Now Seinfeld's on Netflix, so I can watch it again, which is kind of exciting. Maybe you remember the episode where George Costanza decides that he is going to end every single interaction he has on a high note. So whether it's a meeting at work or a conversation that he has with his friends, as soon as, soon as he says something that people respond to positively, he stands up and he says, all right, that's it for me. Good night, everybody. And then he walks out the door, no matter what it is. Maybe we would have expected Jesus to do the very same thing after his sermon first started and everyone was so in love with what he was saying, to just walk out the door and leave it at that. But no, Jesus has more that he wants to say to these people. The people had asked, isn't this Joseph's son? Scholars sort of debate what exactly they were getting at when they asked that question, but Jesus seems to be on to what they are thinking. In fact, Jesus seems to be able to read the thoughts that are going on in their minds. It seems that they thought that because they were from Nazareth and Jesus, evidently the promised Messiah, was also from Nazareth, that somehow this would serve to their advantage. It would sort of be like if some young overnight billionaire businessman or some young rising star politician had the last name Gonstead or Grundle or Nessheim. Names that have been around in this community for a long, long time. Names that streets and parks are named after. If somebody with great wealth or power or influence or fame was from Mount Horeb, Wisconsin, then the people of Mount Horeb, Wisconsin would probably think that that would serve to their advantage. In fact, they'd maybe even think that we could sort of use that connection to our advantage. As one scholar put it, the people thought that they could domesticate Jesus. 
that they could take this brilliant flash of lightning that was standing in front of them and they could put it in a bottle so that they could use it whenever they wanted. But Jesus was on to them. Jesus knew what they were thinking, that if Jesus had done all of these great things in all of these other places, then surely he would do even greater things for them, the people of his own hometown. And so Jesus responds to their thinking by saying something that he knows they're not going to like. He says, a prophet's hometown is probably the last place where he's going to be popular. It's probably the first place where he's going to be rejected. In fact, Jesus mentions some examples from the Old Testament. He mentions the prophets Elijah and Elisha, powerful prophets of the Lord in the Old Testament, and yet largely rejected by God's own people. And so as Jesus pointed out, God took the blessings that he wanted to dispense through those prophets, and he gave them to people who lived outside of the country. The people thought that the fact that Jesus was from their hometown was probably going to serve to their advantage. Jesus let them know, actually, it was probably working against them. And now listen to how they respond. Again, all of the people, all of the people who spoke so well of them, of, of Jesus. Now Luke tells us all the people in the synagogue were furious when they heard this. So they hauled him out of the synagogue. They forced him to an edge of a cliff and they were getting ready to throw him down to his doom. At first, everyone loved the gospel, but Jesus didn't quit while he was ahead. He had more that they needed to hear. And he said it, even though eventually everyone was upset by the gospel Jesus preached. And again, that shouldn't come as a surprise. Again, Luke wants us to know that this is sort of emblematic of the ministry that Jesus carries out. At first, people generally love the gospel. Why wouldn't they? It is such good news, right? You know what that is like. And yet the more time we spend with Jesus, the more times that we have heard the gospel, the more familiarity we have with him, the more experience and history we have with him, the easier it is for us to think that we have somehow earned the blessings that we get from Jesus in the gospel. That somehow by our coming to church, our reading our Bibles, our praying, our giving of our offerings or giving of our time, that we can sort of manipulate Jesus, that we can use our connection to him to our own advantage, that we can put him in our debt almost as if he were some politician from Madison or Washington. And we are the special interest group. We are the lobbyists. And we can buy his attention. We can pay for his favor. That we could possibly domesticate Jesus. Not all that different from if he were the family dog. That we can bribe him and train him and bring him to heel for us. And if that is ever the case, then the good news is Jesus is going to say what we need to hear. He's going to say it even though he knows it's going to make, it, make us upset. It's not his purpose, it's not his goal to make us upset, but he's willing to do it for the sake of his gospel. 
Because if we think that we can put Jesus in our death, that somehow it's our service, our worship, our prayer that makes him owe us, then the gospel is no longer the gospel. Then it has turned into something different. Then it has become good news for the rich. And it's become freedom for the strong and the self-sufficient. And it's become sight for people who are smart and sophisticated. The gospel is no longer the gospel, but Jesus wants to make sure that his gospel is preached. And so he's going to continue to preach it, even if it makes us upset. Because no matter how much time we've had with Jesus, no matter how much experience we have in our past, no matter how much we've given to him because we love him so much, his gospel will always be good news for the poor and freedom for the captives and sight for the blind. At first, everyone loves the gospel, but Jesus isn't going to quit when he's ahead. He's going to keep preaching his gospel, even if at some point it makes us upset to hear what we must admit about ourselves. And that's really proof that Jesus isn't interested in popularity or being well-liked. If that were all he wanted to do, he certainly wouldn't have said what he said. He wouldn't have quit, or he would have quit while he was ahead. But the good news is, if Jesus were just interested in popularity, if he were just interested in being well-liked, he wouldn't have done what he did at the end. Again, we may be tempted to think this was the moment where Jesus could just kind of throw his hands up in the air and say, I am done with you people, as he's standing there on the edge of the cliff. I am done with you people. Good night. I'm out of here. Have fun being eternally lost without me. But Luke tells us that he walked right through the crowd and he went on his way. He went on his way to the next town where he was going to do exactly the same thing and preach exactly the same message. Jesus kept, in fact, going right on his way to carry out the mission that he had been sent to do until the time finally came when he was not going to walk right through the angry mob looking to lay their hands on him, when instead he would let them lay hold of him, let them arrest him, let them drag him off, not to throw him over the cliff, but to raise him up on the cross. When he would let death itself lay its grip on him so that then he could walk right through the walls of the grave and destroy it once and for all. Yes, it is surprising that Jesus didn't quit while he was ahead, but it's even more surprising and certainly more amazing that he didn't quit while he was behind. And as a result, we can be confident Jesus isn't just some, isn't just another politician isn't just another retail ad executive or news outlet editor who's just looking to say things that people want to hear. No one said Jesus is exactly who he claims to be in these verses. He is our physician. He is the great doctor of our souls. He is going to say what we need to hear even when that spiritual diagnosis makes us upset and angry. Because his greatest desire, his ultimate goal for us, is that we would gladly receive the cure 
that only he can provide. Amen.